either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Twas the weekend after Barbenheimer, and we're trying to keep that excitement going, people. We're going to try. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. Let's dig in. Latest from Disney this week. A single mom named Gabby hires a tour guide, a psychic priest, and a historian to help exorcise her newly bought mansion after discovering it is inhabited by ghosts. The latest try to make a good movie out of Haunted Mansion. I can show you what happened, but it will cost you three dollars. What? Siren robbery. Who said that? You're not that scary. You're really not. You're pretty terrifying. Can you turn it around just while I finish this? Thank you. Guys, is anybody else seeing this? Yeah, I'm seeing it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. If we don't solve this mystery, we're stuck here for eternity. Surprise. You're all in for a treat. I've told the story uh, already, and actually it's in my written review, but I have a tremendous fondness for Haunted Mansion. Uh, Years and years before I even knew there was a ride, a theme park ride, I had the little book with a 45 like a record uh, of the haunted mansion and i would i would read it and listen i would listen to this relentlessly endlessly i could i could i could recite the whole thing right now i loved (laughs) it loved it and they didn't make anything of it for years and years and then you know uh, in 2003 they made the eddie murphy movie which was terrible really disappointing even though terrence stamp is in it um, and then a couple of years ago, they made the Muppets did it, and you and I were both like, "Okay, oh, it was perfect." We were so excited about that. And Usually, was, Muppets can improve any situation. Exactly, and it was quite bland. It was just, you know, it, it just seems like no one knows what to do with this yeah. idea. So now we, we we saw this one, and good cast, a good director, Justin Simeon, who did Dear White People and uh, Bad Hair. Bad Hair. Uh, so we were, you know, the the uh, prospects were good. Oh yeah, and the cast. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield. He's always, always good. Yeah. But, you know, Tiffany also, Haddish, Danny Tiffany DeVito, Haddish, Owen, Owen Wilson, Wilson, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Good stuff. Unfortunately, another, it's kind of a strike three here on adapting the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, it really is. First of all, it's two hours long. Um, and that's ridiculous because, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is a kid's movie. <laughs> that your, your audience for Haunted Mansion from Disney is children. And so now this one is PG-13, just to be specific. So maybe there we're going a little bit older, but I get your point. Yeah. Well, and it, but it feels like it. It feels like why, why are it goes on forever and it goes off in all of these directions. Nothing holds it together. As I keep complaining, everybody gets to leave. People <laughs> leave the mansion and keep coming back. Oh, because a ghost follows you. But I just keep thinking, nothing about it really just holds your attention, holds together. There's no real core story. Lucky Stanfield is really good. Yeah. As he always is. He's very tender and sort of brokenhearted and lovely. And it's a lovely performance that feels so out of place with the rest of this movie. Well, it's interesting because his his thread in this is sort of, there's anchored, without giving too much away, is anchored by grief. Yes. And we're going to talk about that with another movie this week that does it much better. Yes. So I get you, as as good as he is, and he is good, it's just one of those threads that goes off somewhere that doesn't really 
get any resonance like like it does with the other movie we'll talk about in a minute. So this is just a it ter- it turns out to be a just a str- two hours worth of exploring of possibilities that never quite come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, and the- you, you see the the possibilities here. At least we did with the with the cast and the filmmakers. I should say the writer is Kate Dippold. And a lot of this has to do with the writing, I must say. Yes. And Although she, she's generally quite good. Yeah, she wrote uh, The Heat. Yeah. No, and and then the the reboot with um, Kristen Wiig of Ghostbusters, which we like better than a lot of people yes. do. I know it got that uh, that online hate, but there are plenty of reasons for that. Anyway, it's not terrible. So uh, here it's just oh boy, there should have been more. Yeah, I just I mean I think the plot is the biggest problem. You've got a handful of interesting characters, and they each one of them has at least one or two opportunities to have something funny to say. Um, you know, Owen Wilson is is very much just Owen Wilson, as is generally the case. Uh, and at one point, he gives like a pep talk to a bunch of angry ghosts that is so perfectly Owen Wilson. And, <laughs> and it works. That moment works. And I think... And Tiffany Haddish gets a couple chances to be funny, although she doesn't have any funny lines. The writing's not funny. Her execution is funny. Danny DeVito gets a good line off now and again, but there's just no the the plot is just doesn't do anything for you. It does nothing, and then the the CGI, the ghosts, not good at all. Not good at all. And I was strangely Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, a treasure, just coming off a fantastic performance at an Oscar. She seemed just out of place. I know yes. Madame Leota is a character that you love. Love. Uh, and to see that she was cast as Madame Leota, oh, great. It just, oh, yeah. Boy, something about it just, it doesn't work. I uh, have to tell you that. So, I mean, you've heard it. My twin sister and I both periodically will just say to each other if something is waiting, you know, if we're l- late for something, Madame Leota is waiting for us, <laughs> which is straight from the 45 that we had. And yeah, I was excited for it to be Jamie Lee Curtis. And she, She's very flat. Very flat, there's, yeah. She has, there's no comic timing to her performance at all. It's almost as if some of them were directed not to realize that this was a comedy. But many of her scenes are opposite Tiffany Haddish, who, again, hilarious all the time. And, and it, it just exposes even more how flat her performance is. And then you've got Jared Leto, who, who comes in. Again, very shaky, shaky effects with yeah. his. Because it's, ba- it's basically his voice. Yeah. Really. Uh, shaky effects there, yeah. and uh, you know a finale that's is very telegraphed uh, and too long. And too long, yeah. That's the main thing, boy. Boy, if you could trim thirty minutes, Fully. a good thirty minutes off Fully of this 30 movie, minutes. yeah. Because- but but also, you know, one, part of the reason that's so bloated, there are simply too many characters in this cast, in the core cast. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to have. I mean, like Owen Wilson, he's funny. He doesn't need to be there at all. He serves no purpose. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character does, but honestly, uh, Danny DeVito's character serves no purpose. Most of the characters are just sort of tossed in there for no real reason, which means that there's no real character arc and there's no real resonance to what they're doing. It's just a poorly written film. Yeah, the story just doesn't support two hours worth. No. Uh, Should have been trimmed. And unfortunately... If you like us, we're looking forward to this. Whew, another another disappointment. Yes, with a haunted mansion. Uh, maybe in a few years they'll try again. Who knows? But you, when, when the Muppets can't improve your situation, that's a problem. That's right. It's time to give up. <laughs> that is a problem. So disappointed by the haunted mansion, a new in theaters this week. Not disappointed by this next one. Horror film in theaters. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. It's called Talk to Me. Talk to me. (gasps) Haley, fucking stop it. He's choking. 83 seconds. Get it off him. (laughs) 
What if we open the door, but we didn't shut it? Delete it. Delete it, come on! The spirits, they followed us. We have to do something. You want to do it again? Stop. What was it? What? I don't know! I let you in. I let you in. Oh my god. Ooh, been looking forward to this one. First of all, it's A24 Horror. Yep. We, we like. Yep. We likey. All on got board. A, got a good track record. And uh, the, the uh, trailer, really creepy. Has some good early word of mouth. And yeah, this one delivers R-rated horror. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've probably heard us talk about PG-13 horror a lot on this podcast. We're not big fans because there's so many things you inherently just sort of assume about PG-13 horror that too often come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Although there certainly are some good PG-13 horror movies. Here, you don't have... A movie that leans on jump scares and false alarms and music stabs, and it gets creepy it and really it does. gets unnerving. Definitely, uh, this is done by a couple of Australian brothers, uh, Danny and Michael Philippou. I think that's how you pronounce it. They both direct. Uh, Danny uh, co-writes, and it's a story that will seem familiar. A lot of the parts of it are familiar mm-hmm. if you've seen horror movies, especially quote unquote teen horror, because this is mainly based with teens. It's got like a Ouija board kind of a right, kind of an idea. You right. know, they get together and you unleash something you shouldn't just to be <laughs> yeah. like, oh, isn't that funny? We're crazy. And it's got a shocking prologue yes. uh, on the order of uh, The Ring or It or Follows, it follows yeah. something like that. So you'll see things that remind you of other movies, but at the same time, it's it's not comfortable. It's it's uh, uneasy the mm-hmm. whole time. And yeah, these, these kids, they go to these parties and they get... With the, these these two these two uh, teens, Joss. Well, I think Joss might be a little older. Uh, Joss and Haley. They kind of control this embalmed hand. Mm-hmm. Where did they get it? What's the story behind the hand? Is it uh, the hand of a Satanist or a, or a long dead medium? Well, we don't know. Joss keeps telling so Well, I got it here. I got it there. The point is, they have this thing where you grip it, you say "talk to me," and then you take the ride, and you basically go to the other side and see some things and and we'll leave it at that. And of course everybody films it. So it does tie into that sort of, you know, the viral, the phones and everything with with that that generation. But at the same time, that's not really the thrill. This it's no, like a high. Yeah. It's not they're not looking for viral fame. Once they do it once, they it's it's a high. It's almost like a drug. Mm-hmm. And there are rules to this game. And, of course, it goes a little haywire, especially for Mia, who's played by Sophie Wilde, who you may have seen in The Portable Door. Mm -hmm. Very good. She's very good. She finds, once she does it a couple of times, that there's a real draw for her there, not just for the thrill, but it is also a personal draw that ties into grief, what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about, and trauma, and maybe answering some long-held questions that she has about her past. So then you not only get that— but then once the little brother of her best friend, kid named Riley, 
gets in real trouble with the hand, then she thinks maybe she can save him. So that becomes sort of the the quest mm-hmm. uh, that she's looking looking to solve. And man, I'll tell you, I, some good practical effects oh, here. Oh yeah, very, very good practical effects and some real creepy stuff. Yeah, it's not it's not especially bloody. Um, but also, if you're thinking to yourself, if you're somebody who doesn't like A24 horror, right? If you're thinking, I don't want to see another Ari Aster movie, or I thought The Witch was boring, this is not that. Right. This is much more of a traditional, uh, it's a scary movie. Yeah. You know, it's not like an art house scary movie. It's a scary movie. Yeah, if you saw, and we've used this this story before, if you, if you saw like a good friend of ours who was still mad about It Comes at Night because... Nothing comes at night. No, this no, is it's not, not that. that. This nope. delivers. Yes, yes this yeah. delivers. This is a scary movie. Scary things happen in this movie, and um, and the performances, all of them, are really very good, very authentic. Yeah. And also, though, I think that the the look of, especially the lead, is really used. She 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 is she does a great job physically, mm-hmm. like sort of being gangly and and in a way that I think in a lot of times films. Filmmakers rely on like not just effects, but like creepy editing, like that quick cut editing. Yes. This doesn't do that, right? And and so it never it never leaves you feeling like you're being manipulated by a filmmaker. Of course you are, but it, <laughs> it does it, and it's so much easier to just get sucked into this world. And one of the there is this is I love when a filmmaker can do this, or excuse me, in this case too. There's a, a, a something that the film requires you to believe could possibly happen, right? And if you don't believe that this thing, this unthinkable thing could possibly happen, well, then none of the scares really land for you. And and a lot of times, you don't. Like, the whole time you're like, right, but that's not going to happen, and you just don't. In this case, the whole time you're like, I don't know, man, that might really, like, th-, and then you are then you feel unsafe. Right. As, a fi- as a film goer, yeah. you're like, don't do that to me. Yeah. Like, you feel unsafe, and it just amps up the tension, and this movie nails that. Yeah, and the brothers, they started, uh, they have a, a resume that includes uh, shorts and YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. They also worked in the camera department of the Babadook. Nice. Very nice. So... I just I just got the sense that they just had a ball oh, with yeah. this. It's they're as scary and and unnerving as it is. There's a sense of fun about it yeah, too. Yeah. I also loved that early on once the kids start playing the quote unquote game and then you see what they see, you get a a glimpse of of what goes on uh when you grip it and rip it. Uh but then you don't always no. see what they see. No. And then at least for me it was fun because your mind starts filling in because you've glimpsed it once. Yeah. Now you're not seeing it. Oh, what are they seeing? Yeah. And you start filling it yeah. in as your imagination does. I thought that was brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And I also just a shout out to uh, Miranda Otto. Yeah. You know, who who doesn't have a big part, but she has a memorable part. And she's she really does. the only, uh, I, I, I think the only like really, oh, I know her. Like she's the only solid, you know, yeah. um, well-known actor in the film, but she's great. She's yeah, she's, great. A, she's a mom who thinks she really knows what these kids are up to. And some of the things she says to them are funny. And she's uh, just pissed off. Yeah, she is. She's, she's <laughs> all the time pissed off because what these kids are doing while she's away. Um, and it's also, you know, it's, we, we talked, we talked about it achieving some, some psychological depth with this grief and this trauma. It also touches on, you know, the anxieties of, of these kids. They're just about the age where they're going to be adults very soon, and they're leaving these kids' things behind. Mm-hmm. There's a little thread of that there. It's very smart, too. It is. I thought it was really well done in, in taking a, a genre of horror film, the quote-unquote teen horror. They can also, they can so often just seem like a throwaway. You you, yeah. you give it the PG-13, you give the teens something to grab their dates, you know, when there's yeah. a jump scare and you leave it at that. This is going for more. And, I, man, really, I like it. No, I agree with you. There, the, the, the 
characters were not treated super superficially. Mm-hmm. They all had flaws and they all seemed real, like real people. And that is, first of all, really uncommon in a teenage-based horror film. And second of all, just makes the film resonate more if you if you don't think to yourself, yeah, that's this stereotype and yeah. that's this trope. If you're like, oh, this that's this awkward you know, in a very realistic way. It all it always to me seemed to be one or one or two steps ahead of contrivance. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, it's going here, but oh, okay, yeah. I get. It. And then I have to say, I, I I like the the ending. I mean, it's a very naturally clever, but very naturally organic way to say this this game may not be over. Yeah, and I I liked it. So if they have a mind to carry this on and it does well, they could easily do that. Let, let's let's put it that way. But yeah, a winner here. I think so far this is this is definitely one of the better horror films of the year and definitely worth checking out. A24's latest, and it's in theaters now called Talk to Me. Let's keep in theaters and go to a comedy. A mockumentary. The eccentric staff of a rundown theater camp in upstate New York must band together with the beloved founder's broy son to keep the camp afloat. It's theater camp. We only have three weeks to create a masterpiece. It's on you now. All on you. Let's do this. And cue cocaine. You need to know that only 3% of people make it. The rest end up in a mental facility or on a go-go box in Hell's Kitchen. This is a complete disaster. Everything is gonna be okay. It doesn't work out, guys. We're theater people. We know how to turn cardboard into gold. I think this is fun and games. It's not fun. It's art. Minor housekeeping issue. Whoever stole my CBD gummies, please return that. I'm pretty sure I know who it was. So this is really driven by the relationship of two real-life longtime friends, uh, Molly Gordon and Ben Platt. Now, Molly Gordon co-directs and also co-writes, but it's it's cool because they the film actually features home video footage of the two of them, Platt and Gordon, when they were little kids in theater. They met at four in a like a stage production yeah. and uh, and have and, and they've done a number since then. And that's one of the things there are so many things about this movie that as goofy and and, you know, mockumentary as it is. Feel very rooted oh, in experience. I bet you Lovingly a lot so. of these characters and stories come right from their history. I yeah. wouldn't doubt it a bit. Right, yeah. and and the ability to show actual footage of the two leads as yeah. children performing together yeah. only solidifies that. You know, yeah, and it it starts with well, our beloved Amy Sedaris. She is she's the the leader of this camp, mm-hmm. the founder, and she she unfortunately suffers a theater related coma. <laughs> <laughs> but the camp, you know, the show must go That's on. That's right. And, yeah. and so her son, who is just a dumbass, like a like a Broy son. Yeah, like a YouTube. His name is Troy, and he refers to himself as an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and he takes over, but of course he doesn't have any idea how to run a camp, and he is the polar opposite of everybody who's at the camp. And right there, I think, is is the heart of the movie. And it it's funny. In like a wet, hot American summer, sort of, you know, glee, sort of, you know, uh, what's the acapella one? Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. It's got a lot of that same kind of heart. But what I think this movie does really, really beautifully is to just sort of, without beating you about the head, say, this is this kind of community of outsiders, that's what keeps people like this afloat. That is what keeps them 
okay in the world mm-hmm. is that they have some insane place like this to go to and just be with other people like themselves. Yeah, and even though it's got the title, Mockumentary, it's not mocking, obviously, because these people came up in this. This, yes. this is they, they love this. I mean, Platt's a Tony winner. Yes. I mean, this is their world, but they love it enough and know it enough to make fun of it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of affectionate ribbing. Very much so. And it's just a cast of eccentric characters that are funny. Now, I will say that in the critic screening we were at, I did notice a lot of laughter coming from us, not so much from some other people. So <laughs> it's one of those that for some people just may leave them cold. But at the same time, I worried that I wouldn't care for right. it because, because I do not have this experience. I was right. not a, I, a theater kid. Yeah, I came up, I was in theater mm-hmm. as a kid, and I, I like the musicals, you don't. No. So I really appreciated that you found it as funny as you did. Oh, yeah, because... I, I really, I thought it was just as charming as could be. The performances were so much fun. Yeah, a lot of the humor is dry, but man, if if you feel it, it it's funny. And they do a good job with, with characters. You know, we say a lot that comedy, when it's character-based, it can really then have longevity. You can maybe see it again, and the same joke is still funny because the characters are funny, and there are some really well-developed and funny characters, and there's a couple of, there's some there's some sight gags, yeah. there's some real, it's, it's funny. I mean, the truth is, I would love to have spent more time with these characters. There's so yeah. many that you, you know, none of them are, are fully, I would love to have seen like a TV show of this. Like, yeah. I would have gone back yeah. to see what oh, happened next could. week, yeah. you know, and, and hope that we focus more on a different character this time. That that really is maybe my only squabble with this movie is that I felt like I didn't get to spend enough time with the individual characters. And really at the heart of it is this friendship. Yes. Because Platt and Gordon play the two the two main teachers mm-hmm. of the camp and they start to drift off in different ways by the by the end of this movie. And so it's it's rooted in their friendship, both on the screen fictionally and obviously with them as, as real people and a, a labor of really a labor of love from them, I think, because like you said, you can feel they're mocking it, but it comes from a place of love. Yes, absolutely. Because this is this is their baby. This is their world. And it, it it's really funny. And especially if you have any sort of experience with the theater or maybe if you have kids that are in theater, right. you'll get it yeah. and, and you'll really appreciate it. So, yeah, we uh, recommend this one and it's called Theater Camp in theaters now. Next is the latest from one of our favorite filmmakers, Christian Petzold. It's a group of friends in a holiday home by the Baltic Sea where emotions run high as the parched forest around them catches fire. It's called A Fire. And if you're searching for it, A Fire is one word, A-F-I-R-E. On the surface, this seems like a very different film for him, but in in a way, it it kind of isn't. Yeah, he I I love his stuff. Um, uh, Transit, uh, Undine, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix. Yeah, look up any of those. I mean, he's such an insightful writer, all, all, and also character based. Usually, something to do with the characters and they're trapped in their situation. How are they gonna? I'm going to get out of it. Now, those three movies you wouldn't really say are comedies. This one leans in a comedic direction, mm-hmm. which for me, I haven't seen all his movies, but was was different, uh, a different approach for him, especially early on. It seems like a comedy of manners, a comedy of awkwardness. And then it starts getting more dramatic as it goes along. It also really has the earmarks of a pandemic production because you have really four and and then a fifth comes in main 
actors characters in a remote setting because they are they go to this this holiday home by the uh, by the Baltic Sea as the synopsis says and uh, Leon he's there to finish his book uh, played by Thomas Schubert because he's going to meet with his publisher in a few days he's got to get it ready and then his buddy Felix uh, played by Langston Ubel he's got to work on his portfolio for uh, photos for art school then they get there and they find out, oh, they're not alone. There's also a woman, Nadja, played by Paula Beer, who's in a lot of Petzold's yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, she's there as well, and she's keeping Leon especially up because of her loud and vocal late-night trysts with uh, <laughs> David, uh, played by Eno Trebs, who's a lifeguard at the uh, nearby beach. <laughs> so three of them become friends while Leon keeps to himself and they invite him for fun and come to the beach and do this but he always all work won't allow it but he's never working he's just being a sad sack and watching from afar and early on you 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 know about this character from something that happens early that he's just not very perceptive he's very self self-absorbed and doesn't see something really obvious that's right in front of his face. And that's the main, main point of this, especially as it goes along and the fires start that are nearby start getting a little more threatening. Uh, and it, it, then it, it, it becomes a message of, well, number one, a fulfilling life and a creative life. You've got to participate. You've got to have experiences. And that can even a, even a, a heart-wrenching experience with and this filmmaker usually happens mm-hmm. uh, can can inspire you to to take another step and to find something creative out of it, and you start to think, well, okay, that in itself is a fine message, but is that also his reaction to the pandemic? Because is in the in the forest fires, you've got well, that could be a wink, wink to Leon not seeing forest for trees type of thing, or does that represent the pandemic and maybe when he was putting this movie together? And but either way, it works. Uh, because as it goes toward its its climax, it really gets less funny and more really, uh, really on a human level. It gets very insightful and resonant as it, as it works. Leon works through his his realizations of how he can better himself and how he can create something in his book that is really worthwhile. Because when his publisher shows up and lets him know that. He kind of all, something already knew that this book isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads to some some revelations. More secrets start coming out. More things that uh, he didn't know. Leon didn't know because he doesn't know much about other people. It's surprising. It's there's one shocking bit, but again, if you know this filmmaker, that's usual for him. But it's another good one. He's so good. He's mm-hmm. a good writer. He's such a good storyteller. All again, very character based, and the small ensemble of actors, very very good. So this one is definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of this filmmaker as we are. And if you're not, uh, maybe look up more after this. If you enjoy this one, he's he's got more where that came from. And it's out in theaters now, and it's called A Fire from Christian Petzold. And we got one more VOD action thriller. A former Marine and his old war buddy face off against the Mexican cartel behind the disappearance of his daughter. This is called Shrapnel. My daughter... Where is she? You're a dead man. So that's Victor Garza. He's got an army. He's untouchable. So what now? I do it my way. Whether she's alive or not, nobody's getting out of there. (laughs) 
if you're thinking that synopsis doesn't sound very original, you are correct. It is not. And actually, uh, the Schlocketeer, Daniel Baldwin, reviewed this one for us. And he enjoyed it. You know, uh, it it takes uh, an, a trope, a very tropey trope, something that's really worn to death at this point, and also problematic from the word go, and uh, and the filmmaker turns it into something that's not too bad. Part of it is the performances. Jason Patrick plays the father, you know, with a particular set of skills. <laughs> and uh, Cam Giganet, who is in everything, plays his Seems old, like yeah. It. But he's in everything, you know, of, of like this. He's yeah. in all of these mid-budget action movies yeah. that go straight to VOD. He he's the one who helps him helps helps the dad track down his missing daughter. And I think that it's more um, realistic about the aftermath of something like this than say, for example, the worst of them all, which is that last Rambo movie. Yeah, bad. And and Daniel brought that up yes. in his written review because that one is is so problematic. And it's nice to see someone take such a a well worn as you as you. Rightly say, I like that tropey trope, <laughs> and make something a little bit more palatable right. out of it. Right. Um, so yeah, especially if you're a fan of these mid mid budget thrillers, and they definitely have an audience, mm-hmm. no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Uh, this is better than a lot of them. Director William Kaufman. Uh, writers are Chad Law and Johnny Walters, and yeah, Jason Patrick and Cam Giganet uh, stars. So you can check out uh, the Schlocketeer Daniel's full review at MadWolf.com. But not too bad, and this is on VOD now. It's called Shrapnel. And speaking of Daniel, let's check in. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Checking back into the lobby, Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, hipping us to the latest news. What's happening? Well, the raunchy comedy Joyride is now available on premium VOD. Fun! <laughs> and Insidious the Red Door will hit premium VOD on August 1st. Less fun. Less fun. Less scary. <laughs> Continuing, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse will uh, hit premium VOD on August 8th. So, fun again. <laughs> yes, fun again. Much fun. Hulu has set a September 22nd premiere for their uh, new sci-fi horror film, No One Will Save You. Uh, that stars Caitlin Deaver and comes courtesy of writer-director Brian Duffield, who previously did... Um, Spontaneous, and also wrote Underwater, The Babysitter, and Love and Monsters. So, mm-hmm. might be one to look out for. Yeah. And Warner Brothers Animation will release Mortal Kombat Legends Cage Match on VOD and Blu ray on October 17th. That's the fourth installment in their recent uh, Mortal Kombat animated movie series. Okay. Some slight bad news here uh, Disney and Searchlight Pictures have postponed the release of Yorgos Lanthimos's Poor Things to December 8th. That's not the only postponement I'm going to have for you. I bet. You're not going to be the good news bear here for the next few (laughs) weeks, I don't think. (laughs) Probably not. Don't have anything big going bye-bye yet, but it's it's a lot of stuff like poor things so far. I do have a new date for you, though, and that's A24 has set a December 22nd theatrical release for their dark pro wrestling true crime drama, The Iron Claw. That is from Martha Marcy May Marlene director Sean Durkin. Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Lily James, and Holt McCallany. Nice. So probably not going to be a feel-good Christmas movie, but I bet it'll be a good movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Universal, The Exorcist Believer, um, hits theaters this October. Trailer just came out for it, but they're not wasting any time. They have already set an April 2025 release for the next film, which is currently titled The Exorcist Deceiver. And assuming both do well, the trilogy capper is tentatively expected in 2027. 
Fingers are fingers are cautiously crossed. Yeah. Yes. Upside down crossed. <laughs> I see what you did there. And two more uh, postponements for you. First, Lionsgate has pulled the Holocaust drama White Bird from its August release. Uh, they have not set a new date for it yet. I'm sure they're probably just waiting to see whether they want to release it this award season or next. And then lastly, Amazon and MGM have pushed back the release of Luca Guadagnino's Challengers from September of this year to April of next year. Oh. Now, did you see, I just saw, I just saw on Twitter that uh, Jeff Nichols, the bike riders, has a release date, December 1. Ooh, I did not know that. So. We are very yep. excited about that one. That was shot mainly in Cincinnati and, and, the, and Kentucky. They're kind of all the same thing. Ohio, here where we live. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 border each other, so it, so it's all sort of the same. Well, he area, likes to shoot in Ohio. He does, yeah, and and we love every single thing he's ever done. Jeff Nichols, one of the greatest filmmakers ever, so we're super excited, and yes. also plus Tom Hardy. Yeah, I'm excited for that one as well. I think Pedro Pascal's in it too. There's a, there's quite a few people in that movie, and like you said, everything he's done is great so yeah. far. Yeah. So that's definitely an appointment watch. Yeah, and Michael Shannon obviously because he's in everything. Oh yeah, he's in all of his movies. <laughs> Does he play one of the motorcycles? <laughs> <laughs> Might he would if he asked him. <laughs> he would. Well, thank you as always. If you want to catch up with Daniel on the socials? You can find him at the Schlocketeer. Thank you much. Hey, thanks for having me again. Looking ahead to next week. Oh, it's been a minute since a shark movie. What do we got? Right. The Meg 2. This is a great tagline. Nude Meg, old chum. <laughs> I do. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That is, so that's coming next week. Also, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I'm oh. actually excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got somebody from right, uh, one of the kids, uh, yes. the voices from right here that's in right. Columbus. You Micah Abbey, who yeah. is from here in Columbus, and he's the youngest ever voice of a turtle. He plays uh, Lee Donatello. He plays Donatello, I think. All right. So that's next week. Also, Shortcomings. The Final Cut. Rub. Night of the Twelfth. Bad City. And right next door, Mob Land. <laughs> okay. Lola, L-O-L-A, Lola. And Brother. All right, that's all next week. But this week, what do you think? Haunted Mansion, Talk to Me, Theater Camp, are you still talking Barbenheimer? We can do that, too. We can. We can do that, all too. All day. <laughs> We're easy to find on Twitter. It is at uh, Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. Also on Threads. That's right. At Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website with all our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. Find that uh, right there at MadWolf.com. So, hope uh, you'll get in touch. Have a great week. Enjoy the movies. Until next time, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>